Here's Federico starting the... Uh, Well, welcome, those of us who are joining online. Uh, this is just the sermon part of our weekly Sunday worship here at City Temple. And if you'd like to join us, either via Zoom, which you can uh, contact us using the, uh, inf uh, the uh, email address at the bottom of your screen, uh, or you can just join us here at City Temple. Uh, you can look it up online, www.city-temple.com, and come and see us in person. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to turn to two places. First, I'm going to do this a little bit uh, differently than normal. We're going to go to the New Testament passage, which is Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And then we'll go into the Old Testament to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, the first 15 verses. Before we read together, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time together to go before you uh, and your Holy Spirit uh, to read your word and to hear it proclaimed. And I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would open up our hearts and our minds to receive everything that you want to speak to us today. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me that I can bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Colossians chapter 3, we read verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And then back to Ecclesiastes. I mentioned last week, this is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, and uh, I love this passage. We're going to start reading uh, with verse 1. We read that last week, uh, all the way down to verse uh, 16. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. And this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. 
Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, back in 1998, a film came out called Sliding Doors. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but the protagonist of the film is a woman named Helen, and uh, the film kind of takes this parallel universe approach to telling her story. Uh, in one stream of the story, Helen, who is rushing to, to catch a tube train, the, the doors close right in front of her, and she misses the train. In the other story, she makes it onto the train. In the story where she makes it onto the train, she gets home and just enough time to discover that her husband is cheating on her. She leaves him, changes her life, finds the love of her life. Uh, they kind of get together, excuse me. It's that joyful laryngitis again. They get together, and then uh, just as they're about to, to go off together, she steps out into the road and gets hit by a bus, and she dies. That's a joyful story. Uh, and uh, in, the other, in the other story, she doesn't make the train. She ends up wandering around a little bit, gets, later, gets home later, doesn't catch her husband, uh, stays with her husband for several more years. They have a very unhappy relationship. Eventually, her husband's uh, uh, mistress forces the issue just as she discovers that she's pregnant. And uh, again, there's some tragic accident that happens. She leaves her husband. There's a tragic accident that happens. She ends up losing the baby. In both situations, she lost the baby. And you think, wow, you know, what a depressing story. But at the end of the, the second line, she, in, the, in, the, in a lift, meets the love of her life. And it's like the story sets out from there. Now you, you look at a story like that, and you think, can that make all that much difference? You know, the, the five seconds of difference between the time it took to get on the train and miss the train, can that make that much difference in your life? 
Well, on September 10th, 2001, George was driving his brand new BMW in Central Park in New York, when suddenly it shifted down into first gear. Well, clearly there's a fault. So, I mean, it's a brand new thing. So he, he rings up the, the dealer and they say, well, bring it in tomorrow morning. Now, tomorrow morning, he has a meeting in downtown New York. So, uh, so he decided he'd get there at seven o'clock because it's like a two or three minute fix. I mean, it's a pretty easy fix from what he understands. So he gets there at seven o'clock, but the mechanics who are there having coffee, they say, hey, listen, we don't start work until eight. And so he has to sit around for an hour to get this fixed when he's got this meeting at 8.30 that morning at One World Trade Center in downtown New York, and he's fuming that he has to wait all this time. Finally, he gets his car about 10 minutes past 8, and he's rushing into New York for his meeting when the first tower collapses. And you think, oh, well. You know, that's kind of unusual. But Ladder Company 6, who was evacuating the building on that day, was coming down the stairs and they were going down rapidly. And, uh, and at the last moment, they turned aside to help a woman who was in desperate need, putting their lives at risk, delaying their evacuation. And the fact that they delayed that moment to catch that woman meant that they were in the exact right place in stairwell B so that they weren't killed when the towers collapsed. Nicholas, he was due to be on flight 11 out of Boston that was crashed into the, the, the World Trade Center. He was up in Maine hiking in, uh, around Bar Harbor, Maine, and he sprained his ankle. And he was so angry because it caused him to miss his flight. Or then there's Seth MacFarlane. You may have heard of him, the comedian, the comic actor. Uh, he was in a gig in Rhode Island the night before, and, uh, and he was going also to get on flight 11, and uh, he missed his flight because the travel agent mistyped the time of the flight on his itinerary, so he arrived just moments too late to get on the flight and obviously survive. Of course, you'd say, that's 9-11. By the way, there was probably 100 or more stories like that on 9-11. Of course, this uh, a Greek guy. I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try it. Uh, he was uh, getting on the, the flight, the Ethiopian Airlines flight in Addis Ababa that ended up crashing and he was making a connection trying to get on that flight. And he was absolutely furious because none of the employees were helping him make the connection. And he arrived at the gate just as the gate was closing so he couldn't get on the flight and they wouldn't allow him to get on the flight. And moments later, he was dead. Uh, the flight had crashed and everybody on it was dead. You know, we live our lives with this illusion that somehow we are in control of our lives. And we live this, our lives with this illusion that somehow the, the seemingly negative things that happen to us, the problems that come our way, the times when we miss the train or we miss the bus uh, or we don't make a meeting, you know, that those things that somehow they're ruining our lives. 
And we live with this illusion that, you know, if we were just more in control, if we used our time more wisely, if we just worked harder, that things would work out better. We live with this illusion that if we do all the right things, then all the right things will happen in our lives. Uh, we live our lives with a number of highly predictable biases, uh, and I've mentioned those before. I won't go into them. One of the biggest biases we live by is a bias called the overconfidence bias, where we have a lot more confidence in our ability to change things than we actually do, and we have a lot more confidence in our ability to, to, to determine the outcomes of our lives than we actually do. Another very common bias is called causal thinking. And causal thinking is how we work uh, by creating stories that make sense of our world. So if something bad happens to somebody, we kind of think, well, they must have done something bad. They must have deserved that somehow. And if something good happens to somebody, oh, somehow they must have deserved it. And if I do all the right things, then somehow I should become the, the Instagram influencer that I want to be uh, or the YouTuber that I want to be or whatever it is. And that's a, that's a bias we live by because we, we live in a world where we try to understand the world by creating narratives, by creating stories that make sense of our world. But ultimately, that can lead us into a bias. Because we say very much that correlation is not causation, and that's absolutely true. Now, causation does imply correlation. So when we know that A definitely caused B, there is some correlation there. But we cannot make sense of the world just by saying, well, these two things correlate, so somehow they must have influenced each other. But we always like to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. You know, we always like to say, well, if something good has just happened to me, it's because I'm very clever, and I worked hard, and I did the right things. And if something bad has just happened to me, well, well then it's somebody else's fault. It's the boss's fault, or the person gossiping about me, or the unknown force, or the government's fault. I mean, we all like to blame the government. doesn't matter if it's the labor or conservatives in power. It's, a, it's kind of a game to blame them or blame somebody else because it can't possibly be up to us. And we live in this kind of crazy, chaotic world. And you know, a challenge of living in this world, because it is quite chaotic, well, we think, well, how does that make sense with the sovereignty of God? How does that work together? And, and this, this whole idea of being, excuse me, sorry about that today, folks. This laryngitis is still a killer. This whole idea that we're in this kind of chaotic world, that these kinds of things happen, can sometimes, for a lot of people, cause them to doubt God. They start to question, how can God possibly be sovereign? How can God possibly be in control when it seems so chaotic like this? But, uh, but those two things are actually not at odds with one another. If I had time, I could tell you about chaos theory and the sovereignty of God. That's not the thrust today. But basically, it's this. God can determine the outcome 
even though the way you get to the outcome might vary greatly. And the promise that we have that we saw last week is that if we are followers of Jesus, our lives are in the hands of God. And it's just like Paul says in, uh, in Romans 8. You know, God works in all things. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we live in this kind of crazy, this unpredictable world. And so the question is, how do we thrive? Because I do believe that we can thrive, we can flourish as God's people. And in fact, that is our destiny, to flourish as God's people. Now remember, you all know that we're not talking about flourishing in some kind of Western uh, materialistic sense. We're talking about flourishing in the sense of living our lives to the fullest as God designed us to live our lives. And we can thrive. We can learn how to thrive. <laughs> I apologize. Something in the atmosphere keeps getting me there a little bit. So last week, we started talking about our top 10 trending tips for thriving today. And Ike did his duty last week and circulating those. And I see he's got it out today. So we're going to make sure it trends a little bit. We've got to pass these around. But the top 10 trending tips for thriving today. I love saying it. Uh, and we looked at the first five because I was wise enough not to try to do all. So the first five of the top 10 trending tips, uh, and they relate to the passage in Ecclesiastes. Number one, based on verse one, is live in the present and know that your destiny is secure in Christ. Number two, based on verses two to three, make choices and commit yourself. Reject fear of missing out because you only have one life. Number three, based on verses three to six, don't let the evil and madness of people get you down, but live in hope and live for Jesus. Where there's life, there's hope in Jesus. Number four, based on verse seven, rejoice and be glad, enjoying your life, because God takes pleasure in your living. And number five, based on verse eight, Celebrate your life, that you are alive in the Lord as you pursue purity and the Lord's anointing. So that's our first five of our top ten trending tips for thriving today. And now we're going to start with verse 9 and go to the next five. Verse 9, great verse, one of my favorite verses here. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and your toil at which you toil under the sun. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Now that's great for me because I'm a man and I have a wife. But what if you're a wife and you have a husband? What do you do? Or what if you're not married? How does this apply? And we need to understand that many times in the scripture, what God does, he takes a basic principle in a very specific sense, and we can broaden that out a bit to apply it more generally to everybody. 
And that's the case here. So how would we start to phrase this based on this verse? Uh, our next tip would be, enjoy life with the people you love because it's your portion and it's the reason you're working so hard. Enjoy life with the people whom you love. Now we need to understand here, remember, love is not this mushy-gushy, oh, I love you, baby. Oh, Michael, I love you, man. I just love you so much. I just see you as just a, you know, just a light glittering off your head, and it just makes me love you. That's not love. You know, love is a zealous, self-giving commitment to others for their benefit. So we need to enjoy the life we have with those people we're giving ourselves to, and it applies to our family, and it applies to our fellowship, the people around us, our friends. We need to enjoy our life with the people that we love, the people who are around us, the people who are part of our church and our community. And this is, this is the real benefit of life. That's the portion. It means it's what's of value to us. And this is the reason why we're working. We've all seen the stories now. It's almost trite to say But how many times have you read the story about some famous person in their life and they say, what was it all for? My kids hate me. I've had four marriages. I'm alone now. They did not learn this tip for thriving. If we're going to thrive, we need to prioritize these relationships. We need to understand that what's really valuable, what's really meaningful are these relationships and the reason why we're doing the work we do is so we can enjoy these relationships. And we enjoy it also with the Lord. So, the tip, enjoy life with the people you love because it's your portion and your toil in life. There is... intellect, skill, and wisdom, and do it for Jesus. That's what Paul would add, and do it for Jesus. Well, whatever you do, and, and this applies not just to your work. If you've got a hobby, do it to the best of your ability. If you're playing football, do it to the best of your ability. Whatever you do, if it's worthy of your time, it's worth doing to the best of your ability, using your best effort, your best intellect, your best skill, and your best wisdom. 
and engage in it to the full. Now there's a corollary that I would add to this one. And the corollary is, do what you're supposed to do, not everything you can do or you want to do. We need to learn that there are some things you're supposed to do and some things you're not supposed to do. I've been helped many times over the years here at City Temple with people at City Temple who said, Rod, you don't do that. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. I'll take care of that. And so understand what you're supposed to do. Because I think we waste a lot of time on things that really aren't that important. That, oh yeah, I'd like to do this, or maybe I feel like I have to do it, but it's not really what we need to be doing or what we're supposed to be doing. And then the next. The next is verse 11. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, we certainly saw that in the opening illustrations, the opening stories. Time and chance happen to us all. We live with this illusion that if I'm faster than everybody else, if I'm smarter than everybody else, if I'm stronger than everybody else, uh, if I'm wiser than everybody else, that somehow I'm going to win. I'm going to succeed. And that's an illusion. That's an illusion. I can't tell you the number of times over the years that I've been with minister friends who have had very large churches. And I'll hear them say something, and, and they say it well in a well-meaning way. I'm not saying that, that there's any uh, sinfulness about it, but they say it in this kind of well-meaning way where they say, well, you know, uh, I really built, I worked hard to build this church. And maybe they have, you know, 500,000, 2,000 people. Yeah, I worked hard to build this church. I worked hard to build this network of churches. You know, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really great. And, or, or, you, or you look at some guy and, uh, and you get the story, uh, yeah, you know, I started this church with 25 people in my living room. By the way, if somebody says that, I don't know about any of you, but I don't know very many living rooms in our church that can hold 25 people. Mine certainly couldn't. But, you know, I started this with 25 people in my living room, and now we've got uh, 25,000 a year later worshiping the Lord. And you look at that, and it's so discouraging because you look at the people. And I've gotten to know some of these people. And you get to know them, and you think, you're not that good. You're not that smart. You're not that filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I get to know some of them, and they're filled with insecurities and anxieties and, and all of this, and I keep wanting to say, well, maybe you need to go on a free delete course or something. You know, we, uh, we just, and, and it's kind of amazing because they have missed this verse. Or you can look at somebody like me and you say, oh, gosh, this guy's a loser. He's only got a few people in the sanctuary and a few more people by Zoom, you know. That's, that's loser mentality. If he was a decent minister, you know, he'd have, he'd have lots of people coming in. 
And what you don't realize is what it says here, time and chance happens to everybody. You know, there's some, there's some that have started the church, they've started their churches, and it depends on where they are and when they start, and they get, you know, all of this blessing uh, and growth that's not because they're a great pastor. It's not because they do actually all the right things. It's just because where they happen to be and what time they happen to do it. Now, over the years, we've had many people come here to City Temple and say, you know, if this church was in, in the United States anywhere, it would have 1,000 people easily. You know, And that's not our goal, by the way. Our goal is to serve the Lord and be faithful to Him. But I hope you understand the point. And I'm applying it to something that relates closely to where I am, but it also relates to you and where you are. Now, why do you have, you know, why, why is, is uh, Bill Gates, you know, is he the smartest programmer that ever lived? No, he's the wealthiest probably, but not the smartest. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, any of these guys who were tempted to think it's because of their talent or because of their ability or something like that. But actually, yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. But the correlation between our talent, our ability, and our success is moderate to small. Statistically so, we know that. So what happens? Well, it has a lot to do with time and chance. Time and chance happens to all of us. And so that's our, that's our, uh, our next trending tip. Remember that time and chance happen to us all even when we follow Jesus. The Lord's still in control of our lives. The Lord is still sovereign. But we will never make sense of our lives in advance. The stories we write, the stories we tell about our lives are all stories in retrospect. And we will never know until the story is fully written what the ending is going to be. And by the way, do you know when your story is fully written? When you're dead. So until that time, you need to live your story. And you need to live it boldly. And this means, on the one hand, stop beating yourself up. If you're looking at yourself, man, and I'm talking to the men here, you're looking at yourself and, and you're, you're saying you're midlife and you're saying, well, my, my career is going nowhere, you know, nothing's happening here. Uh, don't beat yourself up. Time and chance happen. Unless you've done something stupid or foolish, in which case, go ahead and beat yourself up and then forgive yourself and move on. But time and chance happen. In the same way, if you're wealthy, if you're doing very well with your life, don't give yourself too much credit. Because time and chance happen to us all. And when you understand this trending tip, when you understand it, it will set you free just to live your life and obey the Lord. When I understood this, it just took a load off my back and helped me to relax and say, okay, God, 
then what do you want to do? Because it's what we do for Jesus that lives on. It's what we do for Jesus that makes the real difference. The rest is up to time and chance. Remember the time and chance happened to us all, even when we follow Jesus. Now verse 12. For man does not know, and this applies to women as well, for men and women do not know their time, like fish that are taken in an evil net. Now remember, evil in Solomon, Ecclesiastes, doesn't mean evil in the sense of Satan or demonic. It just means bad. Okay? Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and, like, and by the way, the net is bad for the fish, not for the fishermen. Uh, and the birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. When it suddenly falls upon them. We do not know our time. I've heard it said many times, well, we all have the same amount of time. You know, that's a lie. We don't all have the same amount of time. You know, some people will die early. Some people will die later. You do not know your time. When it was last December, on the 20th of December, I had no idea I was going to have COVID and spend three months in the hospital, and two and a half months in the hospital and almost die. I wasn't planning for that. I did not know my time. None of us do. You don't know how long you have to live. You don't know if you'll step outside after today's meeting and get hit by a bus. I hope not. We do not know our time. And stuff happens to us. And when things happen, they happen suddenly. It's the way it is with everybody. It all happens suddenly. So how do we turn this into a top 10 trending tip for thriving? Well, we need to make the most of our time, but seek balance in how we spend our time. Make the most of your time. But don't get so focused that you think you have to plan it in five-minute segments throughout your day. Now, time is very fluid in many ways. And we don't know our time. So use it wisely. Make the most of it. But be balanced in how you live. Because you also don't know what's going to work because time and chance happens to everybody. So you might think, well, I need to invest all my time and energy in this job, and actually that's not the one that produces your income or your revenue. So make the most of your time, but seek balance in how you spend your time. Then number 10, last one here, verses 13 to 16. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with, a few, with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. You know, we live our lives thinking that 
if I'm only strong enough, if I'm only big enough, if I only have enough money, gosh, how many times have I heard this? Oh, if I only had a few million pounds, I could really serve the Lord. You know, if I only became a YouTube influencer, think about how many people I could win to Jesus. And and that's the more holier-sounding ones, you know. A lot more people are like, yeah, you know, I'll make a few million, I'll give you a a quid or two. Uh, and, And we live with this illusion that if we're strong enough, if we're rich enough, if we're powerful enough, we can really make a difference. And if we're poor, well, forget it. The poor are useless, they're worthless. And wisdom, forget it. You know, what's really important is the power. It's the strength. And, and so Solomon says here, you know, I've seen this example. There was a small city. It just had a few people in it. A big king comes against it, tries to bring it down. But this poor wise man in the city delivers the city by his wisdom. Yet nobody remembers him. And nobody remembers him. So what do we learn here? Live wisely and you will change the world. But no one will notice or remember except Jesus. Live wisely and you will change the world. But no one will notice or remember except Jesus. That's our call as Christians. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could have life, so that we could become new creations in Christ Jesus, so that we could be set free from the power of sin, of death, and hell. And he did that so that we could be agents of advancing his loving rulership called his kingdom into the earth around us so that we could hear the gospel proclaimed throughout all creation, so we could make disciples of all nations. And our problem is we tend to get grandiose ideas about that. You know, that I'm going to see billions saved under my preaching ministry. Uh, or if I just do hand out enough tracts, you know, I'll see a thousand or more saved. You know, that's not what's important. What's important is that you live your life and you live your life wisely. And wisdom is about living our lives in relation to God and living our lives God's way. That's what wisdom is all about. And so we live our lives wisely. And the promise is that as we live our lives wisely, we will change the world. You will change the world. Lives will be different. People will be saved. The problem is you don't know it. And the problem is nobody will notice it. And the problem is nobody's going to remember it just like that poor wise man who saved the city. But you know who does remember it? Jesus remembers it. And it all goes together and works together to advance God's kingdom and bring glory and honor to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's God's calling in your life. I really do believe that if we begin to implement these 10 tips for thriving in our lives, we will come to a deeper level of flourishing. I've seen it happen. 
I've experienced in my life. Now here's the challenge. I encourage you to go from here not to try to implement all 10, although hopefully Ike will help us to remember all 10, but go from here picking one, just one, and say, I want to start living this tip this week by God's grace in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we thank you. Father, I pray in this moment that you would speak to our hearts in the power of your Spirit to show us which one of these 10 tips we need to start implementing today. And as we do so, Lord, help us just continue because, Lord, we want to thrive. Lord, I pray that everybody in this church and everybody connected and everybody that's listening to this message would learn to thrive through Jesus Christ to the glory and honor of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us and called us to flourish as your people. And I pray that you would empower us all to do so. We love you and we worship you. We honor you and adore you. And we pray all this through Jesus.